selected. Um, the work of Mission East is the only one outside of Europe. It's um, a mission, uh, it's a work going on in, in Nepal, and it's called Mission East, but they partner with a, a group, an organization in Nepal, and it's called NASO. And um, the reason why we were drawn to this particular project was because we, we saw where um, fairly small things made tremendous impact in people's lives. So, you know, they weren't really, you know, they're not building big schools or doing great things, but they're focusing on small, small things which make a difference in a lot of people's lives. So we have the pleasure of having the director of Mission East with us this morning, and she will tell us more about the work of of Mission East and NASA in partnership um, and about the work that's going on in Nepal. So, over to you. Hi. First, I have to uh, switch on the microphone, so bear with me. Right, I think that's, is that working now? Great, I'm a terrible singer. Uh, so it's very important that if I have one of these microphones that it's switched off when I'm singing, otherwise that would be a very bad introduction to me. Um, okay, who am I? My name is Ruth, and uh, I'm going to explain a little bit about my background, because sometimes when I give talks, I get to the end of it, and all people want to ask me about is my strange accent. Um, so we, we'll just clear that up uh, at the beginning, and then we can move forward. So um, I'm from Aberdeen in northeast Scotland, and that accounts for the Scottish accent, which isn't too pronounced because I've been away from Scotland for some time. Um, but nevertheless, you might hear a few words pronounced in a slightly odd way. Um, my father is from England, uh, from Manchester, which is why I'm a Manchester United supporter. It's completely legitimate. I know, I know. <laughs> and, uh, and my... <laughs> well, and, uh, and my mother is from Ghana in West Africa. So I've accounted for the colour and I've accounted for the accent. I have uh, two brothers, uh, Matthew and Luke. And uh, so as a family, we get on very well, apart from during the World Cup, when we all support different football teams. And there's a little bit of tension in the household, but we've learned how to deal with it. Uh, myself, I grew up in the Methodist tradition. And I think that um, this is a tradition which has been very strong on the social gospel and very strong on empowering people through the gospel into practical action. And so uh, those of you who know a little bit about the history of the tradition in the UK, was that the Methodist Church was very much part of forming the trade union uh, movement uh, in England when uh, people were working in factories or in very poor, difficult conditions. They were being oppressed and they were looking for an outlet and, and a way to um, express themselves and to improve the life that they had. And the, the Methodist Church, through the work that it was doing, was able to sort of channel that energy in a positive way. Uh, and some people say it's one of the things that helped to um, 
sort of avoid a, a civil war or civil upheaval um, in England. So this is, my, this is very much my background, and you can say this is my starting motivation for getting involved in uh, issues of um, poverty and issues of uh, justice in the world. So it's a little bit where I'm coming from. I'm not a regular speaker, so my, my job is, is not one where I go out and speak to churches and speak to large groups. I'm usually found sitting behind a computer, uh, tapping emails and uh, speaking to people on the phone. So please uh, bear with me, <laughs> and uh, I think we'll, we'll do okay. Go to the next slide. So I want to say uh, a little bit about Mission East, which is the organization that I work for. And Mission East was founded by a Dane called René Hartzner. And René was a businessman, and his business took him into the Soviet Union, as it was at the time. And René had a very unusual quality, which is that he can be in a group of people, and he can spot the one person in that group that has something special about them or something different about them. And at that time, he was traveling uh, through countries like Russia, through the Ukraine. And at that time, the, under the Soviet system, there, there was no religion. Um, you know, God doesn't exist. You shouldn't be looking to, uh, to Christian or religion for any kind of um, crutch because the state should provide everything that you wanted. And if you had everything that you wanted or needed by the state, there should be no need for anything else or belief in some sort of other, other thing. But René was able to spot those people at that time who were managing to hold on to uh, a faith and managing to hold on to a belief during this very difficult period. And I think a little bit like uh, Mary, who when she uh, you know, first, uh, the Aunt Gabriel first came to her and, and gave her the, the news, that she, she pondered things and kept things in her heart. And, and I think that, that René did the same thing. So on his travels, he was meeting these very special people. Uh, he was managing to make little links with uh, Christian churches. He was getting an idea of what life was really like beyond the um, hype and the front that they were getting on the sort of the state tours, that actually life is very difficult for people and very challenging for people, and especially those Christians and people that were trying to hold on. But at that point, there wasn't a lot that he could do. But when the wall, but when the wall came down and the Soviet Union opened up, he had an opportunity. And he took that to go back to find these people that he'd met and to start working with them on social projects. So this very small church in Denmark um, started to assist uh, Christian communities in Russia and in the U and in the Ukraine, and this is really how Missioni started. So it started with one man and one very small church uh, trying to help Christians um, in in the former Soviet Union, and um, so Missioni very much started out working with local churches, and then Rene had the opportunity to go to Armenia. And at that time, Armenia was uh, at war with Azerbaijan. And there was a lot of suffering in the country. And it was winter, and um, people needed food. 
people were, were going hungry. So he went to the, the local Orthodox church and said, look, we're, we're able to come with some food assistance, but we need you to help us. And the people in the Orthodox said, no problem at all. We've got a great network, but we'll only support uh, people who are Orthodox. And Rene said, well, actually, uh, you know, we want to, to help everybody. So he found a small Baptist church, and unfortunately, the Baptist church gave him the same response. We really only want to help people who are Baptist. And so at that point, Rene said, well, we'll just have to do it ourselves. So he gathered some volunteers together, and they went in, and they were able to distribute food, and this started our, our project activities um, in Armenia. And so from that point, Mission East as an organization uh, really started to grow. And um, I put this quote from Psalm 18 because I think it's one which really speaks to the heart of the organization that is Mission East. And that from the, from the beginning, we've always sought to find those people who are the most marginalized or the most uh, forgotten. Um, those that no one cares about. And I remember myself being on a food distribution in Tajikistan, and we drove for about uh, seven hours along a very rocky riverbed to, to get to this one village where we were delivering um, some assistance. And as we were going through this river, we were sort of checking, are we, are we sort of in the right direction? And people would say to us, why are you going there? You know, why are you, why are you going to this place uh, seven hours drive? It's so hard to get there. It's a long way. And, and they just couldn't understand why we would want to do this. And I think that this uh, quote very much speaks to that. And that um, I think a, a lot of the time and a lot of the work that we do, it's not just a question of delivering the material assistance, but often when people are in situations of crisis and situations of difficulty, to know that somebody is standing alongside you, to know that people are praying for you, to know that people are thinking about you um, is incredibly important and incredibly powerful, and I would say almost as powerful as actually giving someone uh, some food or helping someone to build a a latrine or, or whatever the action is. Um, so you can go to the next slide. So Mission East is involved in relief work and in development work and in everything in between. We work through local organizations such as NASO in Nepal, and I'll tell you a little bit more about NASO in a moment. Um, We work uh, directly, so we employ people and uh, engineers and uh, agronomists on some of our larger projects. And um, yeah, and we have our mission statement, which I won't go through, but I want to say something about our our values. We're a Christian organization, um, but actually, if uh, if you ask me what 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 is the faith makeup of most of your staff, I would have to say that most of our staff are actually Muslim, because our our largest project is in Afghanistan, and of course we employ a lot of uh, local people to help to help us uh, to deliver the work, and so our staff in Afghanistan are Muslim. So how do we how do we um, sort of bond as an organisation? And we, we really try to bond around our values, and our values are something that we take very seriously. 
so honesty, integrity, compassion, valuing the individual and respect for all people. And I think we're very challenged in these values. We were talking yesterday with your, with your global outreach team and talking about, well, what happens when, uh, you know, often we work in countries which are very corrupt, where people want to take bribes. How do you maintain honesty and integrity in, in those situations? When you are involved in a project where you're maybe dealing with thousands of people, how, do, how can you actually value an individual person when maybe you've got 60,000, 100,000 people that you are trying to reach with a particular action. It's very difficult and it's very challenging, but, uh, but we do our best in how we approach the work um, to maintain and, and, and stick to these values. Okay. Okay. Uh, recently at Mission East, we've... Um, We've taken a decision to focus on two core areas of activity. The first one is rural community development, and you'll see this coming in in some of the work that we do with NASO. And so we find that um, rural areas are often very underserved, that people don't have access to services such as um, water, sanitation, um, we work with uh, communities and households to help improve their, their food situation with uh, gardening, kitchen gardens. Um, in Afghanistan, we have projects such as road building, irrigation systems. We have a project where we work with women and try to bring women together so they have an opportunity to meet and to share, which is, for me, which is very exciting because in Afghanistan, women they don't have these opportunities to meet each other. And I, I don't know if you can imagine a situation where you're in your home and you can't actually, you can't go and visit your next door neighbor. If you have a problem, a difficulty, if you're upset about something, if you yeah challenged in something, or you want to share something joyful, you, you can't just go and share that with someone and find someone to help you. You're very isolated. And so these, these groups bring women together and the men allow this to happen and the women are able to, we're able to give some training to the women. Uh, they're able to have a scheme where they can save money to help each other out. And it, it's very exciting, but I'm not here to talk about that, so I'll keep going. And, and the second area where we focus on is in disability. And in countries like uh, Tajikistan, in Afghanistan, in Nepal, if, if you're a family with a child with disability, this is an incredible shame on the household. It's an incredible uh, shame on you as a woman that uh, you've uh, produced such a child. And if you go into people's homes, you might find that children are tied to the beds. They're locked up. They're locked up in a room. Um, they don't have any opportunity for any sort of rehabilitative care, no opportunity for any uh, sort of um, education. And recently my, my colleague was in Nepal. We, we have a project where we work in the mountainous areas of Nepal. And there was a young woman who'd had a stroke at the age of 20. And, and she wasn't able to contribute to the, uh, the running of the household. And, and the household was on the edge of a sort of on the edge of a cliff. 
And this young woman said, who is now uh, in her 30s, she said, every morning I, I think maybe I should just jump off this cliff and kill myself. And then her mother said, yes, you should. And so those are some of the uh, sort of the, the attitudes and the, the stereotypes that we're trying to, to challenge with our program in, in disability, as well as trying to offer um, sort of educational support and rehabilitative um, support to children. So, yeah, thanks. So I mentioned that Mission East uh, works in Afghanistan. We have a very large project there. We work in the neighboring country of um, Tajikistan. Uh, we have a project in Romania, and I was very excited to hear that you're also supporting projects in Romania. And, uh, and a bit like yourselves, we're also working with uh, Roma, com Roma communities. Uh, and I think you know this very well because you, you um, had this, uh, I think, talk in November. So I just want to encourage you in that ministry because these are people who are very much excluded from society. And we saw last year with the expulsion of Roma people from France that it's uh, very much a Europe-wide um, problem and issue. And I think that as, as Europeans, we, we need to find ways of um, sort of working and integrating and understanding all the different communities that, that we have in, uh, in Europe. And then we also, in Romania, work with very poor families um, in a town called Cluj. And uh, I think Romania is a very interesting country because it's sort of a very forward-thinking part of Europe. If you, if you go to uh, Bucharest, other places, you'll see Esprit and uh, kind of H&M uh, and these big household names. But uh, at the same time, you have people who are still in, living in incredibly, incredible poverty and are, are really struggling and are really not part of the, the new Romania, people who are being left behind. And, um, and I think uh, projects and actions where we're trying to, uh, to bring people together and to make life better for everybody uh, is very key. We've just started working in Pakistan. So in September of last year, I went to Pakistan to uh, assess what had happened as a result of the, the flooding there. And um, I know we all saw the images on the television, but um, it's a really desperate situation. An entire country affected by, uh, yeah, by, by the floods, um, people's homes, livelihoods, families uh, destroyed in a matter of um, hours. And where we're working, we're working in uh, Swat Valley, which has uh, already have been subjected to a, a big earthquake. There's lots of uh, Taliban and insurgents fighting in that, in that place as well. People are really suffering. They have a very hard time. And, um, and there we work with a Muslim NGO who um, yeah, have a heart to help people, to serve their people. And uh, we partner with them to, to bring assistance and to try to make life a little bit better. And, of course, we work in Nepal. <laughs> So, Nepal. Have any, has anybody here been to Nepal? Yes. Okay. So, Nepal is a fantastic holiday destination, a dream place to go. You can go trekking. You can go mountain biking. You can stay in uh, wonderful hotels and, and have a really uh, fantastic time. It's uh, a Hindu nation. 
also, if, you, if you're in Kathmandu, everywhere you go, you'll see um, small temples. People will make uh, devotions on their way to work, uh, offerings to the hundreds of idols um, that they have. Um, it's, so, it's a very uh, colorful place, but there's also... Um, it's not the true, it's not the whole story. It's, Nepal's a very poor country. Um, and sort of the, the facts and figures are there. 42% of the population living below the poverty line. Uh, life expectancy at birth, 55 years. 73% of the population is illiterate. They can't read or write. Less than half of the rural population has access to safe water. And less than 3%. Uh, access to sanitation. And, and, and water and sanitation is one of those areas which is dear to my heart. And I remember uh, at the turn of the, uh, the new century, when we're sort of uh, in the West, I think, looking with such um, excitement and hope at the technological advances and how far we'd come over the past 100 years. And now we're living in an age of uh, iPads and broadband and uh, fridges that can calculate what we have and do our shopping for us. And, and yet there are many people in the world who are dying because they, they don't have access to clean water and they don't have access to sanitation. So people get diseases which are very easily preventable. And, 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 I, and I think that this is something that should still be shocking to us that uh, people die because they can't get clean water to drink in, tw in 2011. Um, in terms of the Christian environment in Nepal, there are Christian churches, but evangelism is against the law. And if you're caught evangelizing, it's uh, five years in prison. So for, for Christians, it's a very uh, difficult environment. It's a very oppressive environment as well to be in. And then Nepal has had a very turbulent time in terms of politics and security. There have been uh, Maoist uprisings. There have been a lot of killings, a lot of deaths. There's still a lot of um, insecurity uh, in the country. Uh, strikes, uh, kidnappings are still regular occurrence in the Terai area, which is roughly sort of uh, this band here where Nassau is, uh, is working. Nepal also has a, a caste system. And so at the top of the pile, you have uh, the Brahmin class and who tend to be the, the best educated. Uh, they have the money. They have the uh, positions of um, power. And then at the bottom of the pile, you have the Dalits or the untouchables. And your, your caste is determined by your karma, what you did in your previous life. So if in, your, if, if in your previous life you had bad karma, then you are reincarnated as an untouchable or a Dalit. And if you had good karma, then you're a Brahmin. And uh, if you go through enough cycles, then eventually you reach a stage where you're allowed to leave this life and uh, progress to Nirvana. So life is um, very fixed. You're very uh, constrained by uh, society in terms of who you are and in terms of what you can do. 
So I want to talk a little bit about NASO, which is the local organization that, that you're helping uh, to support in Nepal. And I love NASO. We, in Mission East, we work with a, a lot of uh, partners. And uh, NASO is one which is uh, very close to my heart, not least because the director, Pastor Ramesh, is an incredible, inspirational man. And he himself is Brahmin. So he comes from this really top-level layer of society. And he was uh, converted to Christianity. And he went to Bible college. And he learned more about the Bible and more about the Christian life. He, and then he felt called to really to start a church. And so he said, well, how do, I, how do I know what a church should look like? So he read the book of Acts. And he said, right, this is what a church is like. And so he started his church. <laughs> Ramesh is uh, inspirational. He's charismatic. He's incredibly committed. And he's one of the most humble people that I have ever met. And um, he now has 20 pastors under his wing. So they have about 20 churches uh, dotted around Nepal. And, um, yeah. and then sort of through, this, through the work that he was doing, they, they realized that there were a lot of uh, social needs. Um, and they wanted to be able, as a church, to reach out to people and to help people. And so he started uh, an organization called NASO to take on the sort of social responsibility aspects of the church. <coughs> and, um, and so maybe something... And, and the church really focuses, as I said, on the poor and really on these lower castes, so on the, on the Dalits, on the untouchables. And I think uh, it's, this is a really exciting um, example of the power of the gospel and um, maybe one of the sort of uh, unique, unique things about Christianity to really to burst through boundaries because you have a situation where Ramesh is a Brahmin mixing with untouchables and this is, I mean, this is really uh, unheard of. And so when... When uh, the Dalits see him coming, the fact that he wants to be with them, to eat with them, to share with them, to pray with them, is um, yeah, it's, it's it's unbelievable, and uh, and and it's something it's very exciting to see, and and so he's someone that I say, well, he's really taken steps to um, associate with the poor. But he would say, well, actually, we're all brothers and sisters. We're associating with my, my brothers and sisters, whoever, whoever they are, um, because that's who we are in Christ. Um, we're not servant, we're not slave, but we're brother and sister. And, uh, and so those, those boundaries are, are really dissolved. Um, so as I mentioned, that, that Ramesh is the type of personality who's really committed to the outworking of the gospel. And I, and I love this quote from, from Gandhi because we're, we're all connected, that we, we might be sitting uh, here in Luxembourg, but we're worshipping, that we're, we're praying. They're doing the same in Nepal. But all, all the actions, everything that we do um, is connected. We, we don't live our, our lives here in Europe um, in, in isolation. And um, 
And, and I think that all of us, what, whatever kind of job we have, whatever kind of role we have, that we can always, there's always an element, I think, where we can say, you know, how does what I do affect the poor? And I, and I think especially in these days of uh, climate change, we, we know very well that the, the, cars that we, the cars that we drive, um, the, waste that, the waste that we produce, the, the sort of uh, short-haul journeys that we take for our um, sort of weekend breaks, these, these have an impact on the people in Nepal. And the people in Nepal, are, they're, seeing, they're seeing the effects of climate change. They're, they're seeing the sort of shrinkages of glaciers. They're seeing that the patterns that they used to have about when they needed to plant food and produce food is, uh, is all changing. And, um, yeah, we're, so I just want to say that, yeah, we're, we're connected, that we're all together, we're not isolated. And I think this is something that, very important, but whatever we do, that, that we uh, keep together and bear in mind. So NASA has uh, two core activities that they're involved in. Uh, one is an orphanage project where I think there's some, I think we have in magazine, it sort of mentions at the back how many children, but I think it's actually around 40. And uh, a lot of these children, their parents were killed um, in, the, in the Maoist uprising. Um, so maybe go back a bit. What was happening was that the pastors in these different churches, people were bringing children to them and saying, look, uh, this child, their parents have been killed. The, families are, the remaining families are very poor. There's nowhere for these children to go. Can, can you do something? And so Ramesh uh, sort of felt convicted that he needed to provide a, a safe place for these girls and for these boys where they could have food, where they could have a chance of education and the chance of a life. And, and um, you know, when you see these pictures of these girls, there's a big uh, sex trafficking that happens with girls being sent from, taken from Nepal into India. And, um, yeah, you can imagine the kind of life that they have that, uh, that, that might be waiting for them there. Um, HIV... AIDS infection, um, it's not a life that you would wish or want on anybody. Uh, the children, if they're not in a safe environment, they might be put to work, forced into labor, forced into sort of uh, servitude, no chance of an education. Um, and so you can maybe have, if you're having a, a start of an idea of what Pastor Ramesh is like, you can imagine his heart for for these kids, and um, you know, as, as Christians, we we want people to reach, have a chance to reach their, their full potential, to have the, the chance of uh, of a life and an abundant life, and and that's something that the orphanage is able to give and provide uh, a safe place for the children to grow up, and it might be something that we take for granted, but those children certainly don't. And then there is the support to some very poor communities. And this is, this is where you have really been um, helping Ramesh and helping NASA. And um, I think we could go to the next slide. And so there are a number of uh, activities that NASA are doing. They are providing livestock. So there's a very, sort of a very poor community um, in the area where, where NASA work. And the, the church have decided to really focus on this community to, uh, to work with them and to sort 
sort of try to uh, improve their, their life situation. And it's a community which is sort of... Um, the people are excluded, you know, from, from the general uh, life uh, in, uh, in that particular area. They're poor, they're low class. Nobody cares about them. So the church have really taken this on. So there's a provision of livestock which helps people to, uh, to, to plow land, to access land. They're able to uh, loan the livestock out to, to other farmers to generate some money. And uh, that money is used uh, for education, it's used for food, it's used for health. And in, um, in very poor families, most of your, most of your income goes on to food. And, and over the past few years, there have been incredible rises in, uh, in costs of food, uh, especially in rice. I think it's uh, doubled, it's, it's tripled. And so families are really struggling to provide the very basic necessities for their, for their household. And, and if you're constantly worried about where your next meal is going to come from, you can't be thinking of um, education. You're not even thinking about how you can get help if you're, if you're sick. You're really just focusing all your energy, all your time on where am I going to get the next meal. And so this project and uh, projects that, that you're helping with, with income generation uh, really support families and encourage families in that. And uh, NASA are also working in uh, latrines and hygiene promotion. Very simply, um, helping, telling instructing people to wash their hands, to wash hands after going to the toilet, to wash hands after preparing food. It all sounds very um, basic, but actually in, in many countries, a lot, a lot of people die, a lot of children die, because they, they don't have this very basic information. And children get diarrhea, they get uh, dysentery, a very, uh, very preventable um, illnesses. And, and when people are sick, when people are weak, it means that children aren't going to school. It means that parents can't go and find work. So for the want of uh, having a toilet, for the want of knowing how to wash your hands, this, this has a, a very, impact on, very big impact on, on, on family life. Um, and then NASA are also uh, supporting schooling in this particular community for, to enable children to, to go to school and to have an education. And um, I think most of you here can realize the importance of education. Maybe the, the teenagers are <laughs> less excited about going to school and uh, wish they didn't maybe have uh, quite so much homework. But actually, um, in, in many countries... Children don't have the opportunity to have an education, and they know that without an education, it's going to be very difficult for them to um, improve, improve their situation. And maybe in a given example, that there was, um, we, we once employed uh, an engineer from Nepal, and this particular engineer, he, um, when he was 12, he was able to have an education up to the age of 12, and then after that, it was going to stop because his family couldn't, couldn't continue. And, and in his school book, there was a stamp of um, sort of the place where the book had, this particular textbook had come from. And so, uh, and I think it was sort of a, a mission school, an orphanage mission school. And so at the age of 12, he decided to go to find the school to see if he could continue his education. So he left his home and walked and traveled 
um, sort of from the far edges of Nepal to Kathmandu. It's a long distance. And he found the school and he sort of begged them to take him in so that he could continue with his education, and, and they did. So, so maybe that speaks a little bit of the, the power and the drive that people have because they know that education is uh, a way out and it's a, a chance and an opportunity. And so uh, NASO uh, looked for funds to support uh, vulnerable children. And, and I was telling uh, some of your people yesterday that at the orphanage, Ramesh has a big problem because the children are doing so well at school that they all want to go and study and to become doctors or nurses <laughs> or engineers. And, uh, and his challenge now is to find uh, money and funding to enable these children to go on and to, to, meet their, to meet their dreams. So it's an unusual problem, and it's a problem that we're happy to have, but a problem nonetheless. Um, and then the other big piece of work which NASA does, uh, income generation, and so, uh, which is giving people skills training. And, and because, of the, because of the caste system, people are very much... Your caste often denotes the kind of work that you do. So if you're a Dalit or one of the untouchables, then you do the dirty work. You, um, you maybe you clean, you, you clean the streets, you sort of deal with other people's sanitary waste. I mean, really, the sort of uh, horrible jobs, but that is your lot in life. Um, and if you're one of the other castes, then maybe you're sort of part of the group that has to do metal work. Um, and so... One of the things that, that NASA and the church are doing are trying to sort of broaden people's skills and opportunities so that uh, families can actually have a trade and um, earn some money to be able to, uh, to look after their families and their households. And one of the very sort of nice things is that with, this, with these kinds of projects, it doesn't take a lot of money to, to make a big difference and to make a big impact. And I think that um, you know, people can sometimes be a little bit discouraged and they say, well, you know, you know will, will, my, will my $100 really make a, a difference? Will this $1,000 really make a difference? And, and with, with these types of projects that you, you have, with the kind of projects that NASA is running, they really do make a difference to people's lives um, in a very real way. And I know that if Ramesh was here he would, uh, well, he'd probably be crying by now and, <laughs> and, and, and just saying, you know, thank you so much, uh, not, not just for the sort of the material assistance, but also, as I said, for your prayers and even just for the fact that you think and consider uh, the life of people in a country which is not your own and, um, and that you, you have this uh, care and, the, and the, this heart to serve and to live out your Christian faith um, in this way. Okay, yeah. Uh, so this is one of my... Oh, we can flip sides. So th this is actually one of my favorite quotes. And uh, I mentioned at the beginning that uh, I was brought up in a Methodist tradition. And this is a quote from John Wesley, which says, Do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. And, and I think that, for me, this is a real quote of hope. That you can be overwhelmed by uh, needs and suffering. And um, sometimes you wonder, well, can I, can I even make a start? 
to, to make any kind of difference. And, um, and, I, and I think that, that this quote is sort of inspirational in saying, well, yes, and, and, and we can only ever do what we can. And I think that this is very much uh, Ramesh's philosophy as well. We do what we can, but we don't do nothing. We can always do um, something. And um, so maybe as, as I draw sort of this part to a close, uh, what can we do? Well, prayer is very important. I've given you a bit of a flavor of uh, what life is like in Nepal, the, the poor security, um, the challenges that, that Ramesh has and his team because of uh, rising food crisis. How do we actually manage to find enough money to, to feed the children in the, in the orphanage? Um, is it safe enough for us actually to travel to the villages? Um, how can they carry out their Christian work and their Christian mission work in an environment where, uh, let's say, Christianity is somehow tolerated, uh, evangelism is not? How, how are new Christians supported? Um, what happens to people when they convert to Christianity? Often they'll be excluded from their homes. Um, how do they... Uh, how can they um, do very simple things like they were trying to raise money for a graveyard? Yeah, because actually within the Hindu faith, when you die, you're cremated. So when people become Christians, they don't want to be cremated. They want to be buried. Um, and so, you know, so these are challenges. We don't think of this about sort of mission field and, and, and life and what it's like for Christians in other countries. But that's a very uh, practical example. Um, I think if you're looking for prayer items to pray for Ramesh himself, who is, I do not know where he gets the energy from. And when I go and visit him, we sort of spend the day, uh, he shows me the projects and he sort of takes me to meet people. And then he comes back and then he might be counseling people to 3 a.m. in the morning and then he's up at 7, starting all over again. So um, I would really appreciate it if you could... Uh, pray for him and uh, for his um, inner strength and, and, and for the church and from Nassau that they can uh, live out the, the calling that, that's been uh, granted to them. Um, I think for all of us, living intentionally and living thoughtfully, and, and, I, and I mentioned the, 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 uh, the rice increases, and the, the Mennonite cookbook um, has a very nice section on rice. And, uh, and in that cookbook, they say, look, the rice is the staple diet of actually most of the people on, you know, on the planet. And, um, and that when we cook rice, we should do it thoughtfully. And we can, and we can use that as a moment to think um, that for us, it's something uh, which is maybe really basic. It's not the main event in our meal. It's a sort of uh, side dish to whatever wonderful sauce that's going to accompany it. But for most of the world, this is the main uh, dish that people actually exist on. And rice is increasing, and it's get, getting harder and harder. And it's a very simple way that we can connect and, and, and think about uh, life for people. So something about living um, intentionally, living thoughtfully. Um, and then, of course, there's always financial support. And we, we thank you for the financial support that uh, you've already given. And uh, there are plenty of... Um, magazines at the back which will give you a little bit more of an idea of the, the, the work that's happening and the impact that it has. What I'd like to do now is just to end with a short...
Okay, oh, that's great. Oh, that's perfect. So uh, I've overrun my time, obviously. <laughs> and so there's a very short video which uh, is going to be put on your website, which is a little video about the orphanage. Because I, cause people think orphanages, and, and often if they, they can often think, well, maybe this is something which is uh, very fancy. Uh, but actually it's not. It's very simple and it's very plain, but it gives you a little bit, an idea of what the life is like for these children um, and, uh, in their, their day-to-day -day, uh, kind of living and day-to-day -day kind of existence. So, thank you very much. I've definitely overrun my 20 minutes. But I, wanna, I really want to, once again, just thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for supporting uh, for NASO. And it's, it's, a great, it's a great project. And... Um, they're, they're great people, and it's really very much appreciated. And thank you very much for inviting me, and I hope your dinners aren't going to be burnt when you get home. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>